Welcome to the Onyx Podcast. I'm this week's host, Dixie Cochran. Still here with Exalted Month because we managed to get five Fridays in this month, which I think is exciting because it's, you know, one of my lines and I like talking about it. Uh, that also enabled us to do our actual play over three episodes, which I had a really good time doing. Of course, last week you heard a lot about Exigence. Um, from Robert Vance and Elliot Freeman. This week, they are back along with some other folks. So I am here with Robert Vance. Hello. Elliot Freeman. Hello, hello. And also joining me are Lauren Roy. Hello. And thank goodness, love him, meet him, Eric Mitten. Oh, thank you. Hello, hello. Hello. I feel like I've been on the podcast in forever just because Exalted got so like hung up during the pandemic because all of us have lives, but it's moving now. Like it's like a train now. I'm super excited. Every time that I talk about Exalted in the Monday meeting now or other people, I'm like, I'm like, it's going. It's going. We had, we had, we had Essence go. We've got books coming out. We got 100 Devils out. Lauren and I and Megan just reviewed 8 million sketches for Adversaries of the Righteous. Last so week. many sketches. It was it was funny because Mike Cheney sent me an email that was like, "Oh, here are some adversary sketches." And I opened the folder and it's like, "Here's 38 sketches." And I, I was like, "See, well, I can show you because so you're a developer. Cool. I'm happy to show you." Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we've got stuff moving. All of our exalted artists are doing a great job on the books they're on. Um, we're trying to take a tour of where the line is at right now. Um, we talked a lot about exigence in the last episode, obviously, so we're not going to get too into it. But everybody on the call with me now is pretty much both a developer and a writer, depending on which book they're on, uh, and often both on a, a single book. That happens very often. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about... Let's just go ahead and talk about Siderials for a little bit, because I'm, I'm excited to talk about Siderials. <laughs> uh, so what I've been working on most recently is I was not the sole author on Sidereal Charms so I've been sort of taking everyone's final draft and everyone's uh, sorry uh, actually no this is a final draft uh, because one writer got done extremely early we have one writer who has turned around their drafts within like a week both times and I'm like are you excited about this one buddy I think they may have some kind of magic genie helping because right. it's incredible. Uh, but I'm just now taking everything and putting it together and sort of restructuring charm trees to fit new stuff in where the connections make sense. Mm-hmm. And it's just coming together so well. It, it puts a really big smile on my face. So you say you're not the sole writer on that one, which implies that you solely write a lot of the other charms. Has that been the case for a lot of third edition? That was the case for Dragonblooded, uh, and that was a very bad idea. So for <laughs> Lunars and Exigents and Siderials, we've all brought on multiple charm writers just because not only is it a lot of work, but there are things I'm just never going to think of that other writers are going to bring in, and it really, uh, every time it's happened, it's just made the charm set so much better for it. Yeah. Also, I mean, to be to be frank, when when it comes to things like mechanics writing, getting more people trained in any any kind of mechanics writing is always useful in case you can't do something at some point, you know, like we can't plan for every contingency. And so if there's ever a book where it's like, oh, for some reason, Vance will only take on 15K for this book, but a charms chapter is, you know, 100K, then like we need those folks trained to write charms well, right? Yeah, third edition is such a complex and maximalist system that it is really tricky to get a hold of. 
I have been uh, messing around with it since before anyone else had access to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for longer than anyone else, so I sort of have a natural advantage there. But it's good to have more folks coming on doing mechanics, just because I like to see what people who aren't me come up with. It's uh, a lot more surprising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, having any any newer, fresh voices on projects is always great. And even having folks who have written for Exalted before, but moving them from like setting to mechanics is always something that I, I, I try to push people into, which like we talked about it before with, with me and Eddie when, I, when I've written for even, even Pugmire because mechanics aren't, aren't my strong suit. So Simplified 5e was like where I felt comfortable starting. And coming into that, I was like, I was like, all right, setting. And Eddie was like, here, write character creation. And I was like, oh, there's mechanics in this. But it did help me understand the system a lot better, even if I wrote some of them wrong and Eddie corrected me, you know, because then I learned the kind of why behind it. And I, I think that's really important to you. So I am all for training more writers to write charms. I know we've got a lot more writers doing essence charms, but essence charms are frankly a whole different beast than uh, X3 mainline. Yeah, I think... Uh... The only way to write good mechanics is to first write a whole lot of bad mechanics. That's mm-hmm. true of pretty much all writing. I think that's just how skills work, maybe. Yes. Wait, are you saying that if you practice something, you get better at it? But you have to practice. That's a bad part. What if I don't want to practice? What if I just want to be a really good writer immediately? I mean, there are some demons who are waiting to take your call right now. <laughs> what about a fae? I think uh. you just have gifted child syndrome, Dixie. I think most people in the TTRPG industry have some form of gifted child syndrome. <laughs> I'm in this picture and I don't like it. Like, what What do you mean I have to work hard at it? I ace standardized tests. I feel like I'm looking in a mirror. Stop perceiving <laughs> me so aggressively. <laughs> do we just all have the same personality type? Is that it? I think it's really common. Also, I mean, I, I've I've been very open about this on, on the path, guys. I've, I, I had undiagnosed ADHD for 20 years, you know? And so there's so many things when you look back on it that you're like, oh, shit, that's why we're all weird. <laughs> like, yep. I get it now. But yeah, I think it's very common for people who have trouble focusing on one thing or another to go into creative arts. Um, that's, that's that's not always the case. But I know a, a lot of people with that kind of thing ended up in creative industries on some level, partially because creative industries are better at accommodating people being a little flaky, <laughs> which I know I definitely can be. That said, though, what has been the most exciting thing? Elliot, as we talked about last week, you're one of our newer developers. So for Siderials, what's been something that has just really excited you about the book so far? And you can drop a little spoiler if you want. I'm not going to be mad. Oh, my gosh. If I had known that I was going to be able to drop a spoiler before, I would have gone in and actually looked something up. But, uh, <laughs> and I think I talked about it a little bit, but my my big goal with this was to give heaven yushan as a setting the kind of glow mm-hmm. up that we gave to or that the the team gave to lunars uh, as a whole and their place in the setting and i really think yushan is going to be an amazing place um we have some writers who are turning in some absolutely amazing locations that range from individual districts inside the city proper mm-hmm. and also some of the really cool weird outer locations that make up this enormous continent-sized city mm-hmm. what's uh, hmm. i can't pick just one of my favorite children <laughs> in terms of uh, you can pick two i can pick two <sighs> i will let you have two of your children the other five thousand must go in the bin oh no no dixie that's too many <laughs> gosh 
Okay, I literally cannot remember anything. That's okay. We're just going to tease the people, and maybe Elliot will talk about it in the Discord okay. at some point. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Who maybe. knows? Uh, Vance, has anything stood out to you uh, on Sidereal so far? The broad scope of Heaven is pretty much the same, but there are so many specific details the setting writers have come up with. There are... doing the same damn thing. <laughs> are y'all making like a long-running sidereals joke at my expense right now? No, no, I'm just about how you can't remember stuff. anything in the book because it's sidereal specifically. We are being arcane fate. Yep, <laughs> the entire book is walking outside of fate. I, I don't. This is. I'm going to leave all this in. This is too funny. I, all I right, I, I now <laughs> have things. Okay, okay. I will. I will let you have your things now, Vance. But I do like the idea that y'all were just playing a prank on me this whole time. Our our setting writers have come up with a lot of great details that really get down into what it is like to live in Yushan. There is Mm -hmm. a description of sort of a tailor where sidereals go to get the clothes they need before going on missions and creation, just to fit in with people who aren't dressed in formal celestial bureaucracy regalia. And sort of that is something that overlaps with celestial criminals because many divine artisans consider mortal clothing a bit beneath them. So when you're going to someone who provides a sort of a broader service, they're going to service other clientele. And I think that's just such like a great tiny detail that has so much conflict built into it. Mm-hmm. I, I have to resist joking about Sopranos and Yushan, but I really love that idea of bumping into a god who's the equivalent of Polly Walnuts while out <laughs> shopping. That's amazing. I love that. Um, and Eric, I want to throw it to you for a minute, although Elliot has a has a point to make. Elliot, what's your point? I, I did want to just say, because I went back uh, and very quickly hastened through my notes, and I just want to- You're going to forget in 10 minutes, but okay. I am going to forget. I can't believe the notes still exist. That's not going to last very long. Uh, I just want to drop a single word or a single name, and that is Parhelion Vertices. Okay. I don't- I mean, like, I- I, I I know what vertices means, but that's oh, okay. uh, that's 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 where I'm done. My head canon is that this is now some sort of popular band in heaven. Yes. No, it's it's my new Tumblr blog is parhelionvertices.tumblr.com. No, <laughs> uh, it is. Uh, we we charged the writers with coming up with some really like out there landscapes that could be very evocative and interesting, and in this case, it is a mountain range of bismuth that has some very interesting properties and it gets to be an enigmatic location for heaven, uh, which we're trying to, we're trying to do that for a lot of these places. We're trying to have more of the kind of like wonder that I think third edition really excels at. I'm a big fan of bismuth. It looks very cool. So I'm super excited about that. That sounds awesome. So I was going to, however, throw it to Eric for a second, because I knew that as kind of our, our, our content lead over, over exalted, um, you were one of the people who obviously was driving the conversation about how to update Sidereals in the first place, even though you're not a specific dev on this book. So what were some things that were important to you to keep with the setting? And also, because we haven't actually done this yet, I'm talking like everybody that listens to this is a big Exalted fan. Do you want to explain a little bit about what Sidereals are? Explaining what Sidereals are should probably be left to uh, Vance and Elliot because they're much closer to the actual current material than I am. That's fine. So let's 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 go ahead and then just figure out uh, what, what they are and then we can go into how they got here uh so elliot or vance do you want to pick up the what what is a sidereal question i can do it awesome sidereals are within creation setting the servants of destiny the elite agents of heaven and sort of the people who've shaped history without being remembered across Mm -hmm. the centuries 
Uh, they're the chosen of the maidens of fate. They work with heaven in planning what creation's destiny should be, and then making sure it happens uh, according to plan. Siderials are who heaven sends when they are the biggest problems in the face of its plans. Powerful, exalted, demons, the wild, things that heaven can't handle just with gods, they call in the Siderials. From a, I guess, authorial perspective, Siderials are sort of a blend of one specific source called The Complete Traveler in Black, which is just a very specific book, along with elements of tons of mentor figures, Gandalf, Mm -hmm. Merlin, a lot of people like that. Um, Some of your secret agent stuff, your James Bond, your... I can't think of a second secret agent. And they also blend in sort of your classic mythology oracles, your Tiresias, Mm -hmm. uh, your Delphian oracle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they come together in a, a very strange way that's unlike any of the other exalted. Their magic is very particular... It's strange, it's ritual, uh, and it has very bizarre thematic associations underpinning it compared to Solar Melee, which is about being really good with a sword and eventually Mm -hmm. becoming sort of what a legendary demigod of myth could do with a sword. Right. And then you have Sidereal Investigation, which is about solving crimes by trusting the world to give you evidence, give you a witness... You can make sure that when you go looking for evidence, you find your favorite kind. You can have a little spider scuttle out of your sleeve and give you the answer to any factual question you might have. Uh, you can wave a hand at a houseplant and make it blossom into an elemental scholar who can okay. do some knowledge <laughs> for you. They're weird. All right. They're strange. They're weirdos. They're specific, is what I would say. They're just yeah. they're embedded in this wonderful, like, rich mythology of uh, the constellations of creation, which just have their own associations, just like constellations and the zodiac do in our world. Mm-hmm. But you get to play with something that is completely invented for creation, um, and that has this wonderful, rich anchor that was invented for it. Mm-hmm. So, Elliot, give me a couple of examples of what you would do in a Siderials game. That's, that's always a question that I, I like to ask people. Like, you told me what it is, but now, like, what do you do if you're playing the game? So, I think Siderials is very interesting because, especially if you're playing an all Siderials game, um, their position in heaven just gives you a built in framework that you are a mm-hmm. circle who has been assembled either for a particular assignment or because you've worked together well in the past and heaven really likes. Uh, when their agents are functioning together well as a team and you are being sent out to do a thing, to intercede with uh, a demon who has um, been summoned into creation or to mend some other sort of destiny tangling affair to bring rogue gods to heal or stymie fair folk invasions. Um, So you have that as a very real framing device, Mm -hmm. but you can also... um, you can also fit them into more politicking games, especially if you're going to be interested in spending more time in Yushan, where mm-hmm. the stuff that they do on their missions is almost interstitial to politicking among the celestial gods, figuring out how to leverage their very unique position as 
you know, exalted heroes who are human, but who live amongst the gods and can have this tremendous influence. So you can, you can run lots of things with them. You can do politics with them. You can do episodic missions with them. You can do spy stuff. Um, or they can slot into a mixed exalt type game, usually as kind of mentor figures or guides mm-hmm. or people who just tend to have more setting knowledge than most player characters are going to start out with, which can be a mm-hmm. great way to like, you know, maybe maybe funnel some some things to other players that they need to know, especially newer players. Like if you get a good scenario player who uh, can play mentor to new players, like it's wonderful because that character archetype and the player archetype are working together in unison. Right. That's super cool. Thank you for that. So Eric, I want to circle back to Eric real quick. I know that, you know, you, you were obviously in on the conversation about how, like what you're going to do with, with Siderials and you've always had kind of an overarching vision for the line. So what do you think were the most important aspects to change or punch up for third edition? Oh gosh. Um, that's most important lists are generally kind of. What were hard. a few of the things that you decided to change or punch up for third edition? Okay. Uh, yeah. So definitely wanted to focus a lot on making the sidereal play experience exciting and engaging and making you feel important and interesting and part of something larger than yourself. There have been some issues in previous editions where the approach towards sidereals had you as sort of a jobsworth who was a low-ranking functionary and that's not really the kind of experience that people want when they are coming to a game where you are the exalted of the highest gods of firmament. That's correct. That is not what I want from that. I do not want to work in an office. <laughs> I can I can do that any day of the week if I want to. I can do that at home. Uh, yeah. So a large part of it was trying to retune them so that they were, as has been specified, more James Bond secret agent rather than rather than a paper pusher. So you have a lot more authority and autonomy. Your characters are regarded from the beginning as important and worth assigning major responsibilities to, which then spin out into actual scenarios and events that you can play out in actual play. Mm -hmm. Another thing that we wanted to deal with was the actual political structure of the Sidereal Exalted, which is broken out historically into what are called the bronze and gold factions. Mm -hmm. And traditionally, those were the bronze faction being the one that supported the status quo, which in the case of what the Sidereals are generally doing is um, partly to make sure that destiny keeps working and the world stays functioning, which is, which is important and can be played out in various ways in terms of a lot of the scenarios that uh, Elliot Vance were discussing, but also in terms of maintaining the program against the solar and lunar exalted. Mm-hmm. While the gold faction historically was presented as we're the ones who are supporting your solar PCs, which is useful when they're background NPCs in a solar game, which is how they started out. But when you're actually trying to play out solar politics, it's extremely limiting, especially when it's presented as something they have been focused on for the last thousand years when there were no solars around. Right. It didn't make a lot of sense and it really diminished the sidereals and made them feel like they were just in the solar shadows. So we're trying to reconstruct the whole structure 
of sidereal politics so that the factions make more sense and so that they present a more rich, diverse, complex environment to actually play in as a sidereal PC. Hmm. Yeah, and I really love um, sort of the level of nuance and the breadth of character concepts that you can bring in the factions with what you've done with them. You can have a bronze faction sidereal who sincerely believes that the realm needs to either fall or change dramatically, but who thinks that it needs to be done in a certain way that will not upset the status quo over a long period of time, mm-hmm. because that's their genuine belief. You can have a mortal dynast turned sidereal who is gold faction, not that because they think that the realm is bad, but because they think it needs a radical change, not something gradual, but the sort of big upheaval that is now very possible for the gold faction with the Scarlet Empress gone and the soul is returned and sort of mm-hmm. the status quo crumbling. And ideally they can be presented as big enough tents that you cannot dependably ascertain exactly what a serial thinks and believes and feels mm-hmm. just by their faction affiliation. You could have a bronze faction member who really doesn't care about the status quo, but is really sucking up to these bronze elders to support some private project. Or you could have a gold faction member who definitely thinks that things need to change and the realm needs to go down, but thinks that the solars are indeed dangerous. So it's exactly like American bipartisan politics. It's more like American bipartisan <laughs> politics used to be before they got quite as polarized as they are now. Well, well, true, true, true. I just meant that like saying one one side or the other doesn't really tell you much about a person's actual thoughts or beliefs. Yes. Versus, you know, all the little subcategories that people put themselves in. Yes. And I definitely think it now feels more like politics than um, before, because now mm-hmm. there is wheeling and dealing, there's favor trading, there's mentors and mentees instead of just we're going to support this exalt type and we're going to support this exalt type it it yeah really is a lot richer and truer in life my proposal to replace both factions with the objectively correct silver faction as the only <laughs> option for this edition was roundly rejected <laughs> unjustly elliot you're fired we can't fire people on the podcast come on um, what would the uh, objectively correct position of the Silver Faction be, Elliot? So the Silver Faction was just one of those notions um, mm-hmm. from previous editions, which was because the, the Gold Faction was in the shadow of the Solars, well, why wouldn't we have a faction that's in the shadow of the Lunars? Um, and they just thought Lunars were neat. They were the Marge Simpson holding a potato gift. <laughs> I just think they're neat. <laughs> but it but it was Mahasuchi. I mean, Mahasuchi's neat. One of my favorite parts is because there are only 100 Siderials, and because previous editions had so many in bronze or gold factions, that means the silver faction was like three Siderials meeting in a tea house. Aww, I like the idea of their like little Siderial silver faction clubhouse that's like, no bronze or gold allowed. They just hang out in there. It clearly just started as like an ironic thing. Yeah. But then, as we all know, doing something ironically is the gateway drug to doing it for realsies. Yeah, if you do something ironically too many times, you're you're just doing it. That is what I tell people who try to make like ironic jokes that are not 
good or are, you know, maybe a little offensive. I'm like, I realize you don't think that, but I've heard you say it three times now. Therefore, I'm starting to believe that you just think that. So, yeah, no, that is very funny, though. I I, I love the idea that, you know, Elliot just came in and proposed the Oops All Lunars Sidereal Edition. More seriously, though, nowadays, what would have been called the Silver Faction, you would just be in the Gold Faction because you were mm-hmm. trying to change the status quo. It's just you're doing it in a slightly different way than maybe the others who are in your general orbit want to do it. I like that. That's very cool. And there's some and fun stuff in the book on Lunars discussing sort of how they and the Siderials and the various factions have interacted over the past, how there have been efforts at forging alliances, how those have been sabotaged or fallen through. So sort of Siderials brings in stuff that's going to help out Lunars. Uh, it really provides a lot more detail to someone who is one of their big enemies or potential allies. So really, uh, if you liked the Silver Faction past editions, even though it isn't here, I think you may still like this uh, a whole lot. That's one of those character concepts that's so juicy that you have to leave it for player characters to use at their table. The idea of like either the Sidereal or the Lunar who reconciles the Five Score Fellowship and the Silver Pact. Like, that's a story that I just want people to have, because I know someone's going to have it. So Mm -hmm. you don't want to make that canon so that there's room for it to happen on someone's table. Yeah, I am all about not canonizing too many big, exciting events as much as possible. Like, yes, historical ones are one thing. That is something that we look at a lot when we're working on even, like, Vampire Fifth, right? It's like, we we, we can tell you what has happened. We don't want to tell you what should happen or what will happen, because that's your job at the table. That's awesome that y'all, you know, have, have that same kind of approach. Uh, now, speaking of Lunars, unless anybody has any last thoughts of Sidereals, uh, I know Lauren hasn't gotten to talk much yet, so I was going to switch over and talk a little bit, little bit about Many-Faced Strangers. And I could hear Neil from the ether just muttering, title of your sex tape, because that's been the joke for the whole time that we've been working on this. So. <laughs> Which is also a Brooklyn Nine-Nine reference, folks. It's not just a bad joke, I promise. <laughs> that's going to haunt us. I mean... Yeah, but what are you going to do? Anyway, Lauren, you've been working on that along with Eric. How are you feeling about it? What's 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 exciting in it? What are people going to get to see? I love it. I'm I'm we're in uh post-editing development now and it's it's cool having been away from it for a while to be refreshing myself on like all of the neat stuff that I haven't seen in a little bit. Mm-hmm. One of the things I was admiring the other day is that we have Tanisa Ringeater and um Seven Obsidian Leopard, who are over on um, Mount Namas. So that gets written up as a location. And I'm a big fan of like friendships that are long standing friendships that are starting to have things that are fraught and that have, you know, this, this rock solid, uh, that, you know, they've been, they've been working together for centuries. And now there's something that's driving a wedge between them. And I think that's a really cool thing that players will get to kind of work in there. You know, one, a group might be the adherence of one versus the other and have that bit of political intrigue going. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm a sucker for those kinds of stories anyway. So we sort <laughs> of pro- we provide the framework for it, but you can do with it as you like at your table. That's awesome. There's also a ton of charms, yes. uh, some of which are backer inspired. Yes. Because that's usually where we put backer stuff. Yeah. And this this isn't a charm, but it's an artifact I was I was looking at, which is the um the thousand winged fiddle. 
that is has kind of a backstory that's like a Pied Piper thing that's going on. I'm I'm a big fan of of artifacts. I, I mean, I love you know big shiny weapons, but I also like things that you might not think about. Um, and so this one oh, yeah, has totally. a lot of like performance based effects. And uh, there's a charm in there or an evocation that is um, the demon empress Arambor. Is it Arambor or Arambauer? Someone, someone can totally correct me on that. I think we said in the last episode that no one knows how to say anything properly. So whatever you say is canonically correct until the <laughs> next person says it. We have no pronunciation guide, but it's Arambor. Arambor, okay. Had like won it in a bet for a while. Mm-hmm. And the, the fiddle kind of remembers the song that was played on it. And that affects some of the charms. Oh, that's really fun. Yeah. yeah. There is also uh, something that people ask about all the time, which is that there is a worst rider. Yes. The backer asked for a worst rider. We do indeed have a worst rider. Oh. So we, we are, we are, we're going to have worst riders in the Essence Companion. We are also having Exalted Third Worst Riders, and I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. Can I can I drop the name of the worst rider? You can. And now that I've pulled it up, it's the All Beast Avatar. Is it All Beast? It is All Beast. It's got like a, I think we put it as like a library of different shapes that it can take. That is super cool. Oh yeah, I'm actually looking at it. It 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 it, it can change the form to match the pilot shape. Yes. So you can be all of the Power Rangers. Sure. It's what you're telling me. Totally. Oh my god. As as I think I've mentioned, my favorite Gundam is G Gundam, and now you can finally live out the fantasy of being a horse piloting a horse shaped mecha. It's canon oh now. Oh my god. This this is as exciting to me as when we talked about in Pirates of Fugmire that you can be a pirate parrot with a parrot on your shoulder. <laughs> what? That's awesome. I want to be a really weird one. I want to be like a sea urchin piloting a sea urchin mech. That sounds like a very fun Katamari Damacy level. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, pretty much. I'm not going to lie. Like, uh, Katamari Damacy is one of my favorite all-time game franchises, so I am here for this. Would you say uh, you heart... Katamari Damacy? I I do and am Ooh. eternally upset that I can't play some of the older games because they're not easily available. I can only play the one that's on Steam right now, I think. Yeah. Because I don't have a fucking PS2 anymore or whatever. Uh, so yeah, so we've got Many Faced Strangers hanging out, um, doing its its development and then its 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 art process. Uh, but I think that's like, yes, it's taken a hot minute. I know people are going to hear this and be like, the Lunars came out so long ago. Uh, yeah, there was a pandemic and it sucked. <laughs> we are doing our yeah. best and uh th- that is what i will continue to say uh we we did however get other exalted content out which i'm excited about uh obviously we did we did we did essence um but also lauren while i have you we got hundred devils night parade out the door how did that feel i loved it that is one of my favorite covers you know to to go back to art mm-hmm. <laughs> i just that was so i saw it and and i gasped I think every time I have devs on, especially if they're newer to the dev process, they're always so excited about the art notes process. There, there's something about seeing stuff that, that you know, you've been picturing in your head. Finally, like somebody has rendered it because I can only like I can draw stick figures and even those are terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so seeing someone who has actual like artistic talent putting a thing into a visual medium is super cool. It is super interesting for me because I am one of the few, not not the only, but one of the few folks on some of the writing teams that also does visual art, not for the books, but I've, I've done visual art my entire life. So like, I'm really good at picturing things and I can sketch them out if I need to. And so like thinking about the fact that there are some folks that, 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 that can't do that, that get to see their words come to life is really cool to me. Because I, I, I can on some level picture something in, in my head and draw it 
you know, maybe not all the time, maybe not perfectly. I'm not like a professional, but I'm a decent sketch artist. So yeah, no, that is really, really cool that like you will get to see that. And and one of the the really cool pictures and creatures in there is one that I think Eric wrote. It's the Thousand Forged Dragon. Yes, Thousand Forged so Dragon. Badass. Eric, did you write that? Uh, yeah, I did. I mean, it's not an original creature. It's been there right. since the beginning of first edition. But uh, yeah, I wrote it. But the art for it is so cool. I love it. Are there any other critters that you love in there, Lauren? You caught me opening the file, so I can <laughs> <laughs> Well, Vance, you have something to say? So I will go to Vance first. My personal favorite is Sibri. Did I get that right? Yes. Yay. The Rampart of Serpents, who is yes. exactly what her name sounds like. A giant wall of serpents. She's our first statted 3CD, right? She is our first statted third circle demon, and she is, I think, sort of the archetype for what a third circle demon should look like in terms of both, like, power level, but also how weird and how specific they get. Yeah. Because Sibri isn't just like a, here's one thing she does. She is a whole plethora of various things that get really cool and have a lot of story potential in, like, a single charm. And I just love that and want mm -hmm. every Third Circle demon I write to be that. I mean... I know the fans will be excited to hear you say that you want to write more third circle demons because people love to get those like ridiculous stat blocks. I was having fun previewing those in the fan cord one one evening after we had set her up. I was like, I was like, here's what it looks like. It's it's a lot. There's there's a lot of numbers here, a lot of health levels. It's really hard to kill that many snakes. It it really is. It's it's super hard to kill that many snakes. Um, I think that my favorite thing that came out of the Hundred Devils... So I like the cute animals because that's who I am as a person. So the illustration for Mouse of the Sun makes me really happy. Um, and also the best Simhada we've ever gotten is the one that Meluran drew... Or sorry, Meludon drew amazing. for that. It's amazing. Yeah. I, I love Mel's Simhada. I love that Mel was kind enough to, prom to provide uh, various discords with a line drawing so people could color it themselves if they wanted to color different colored Zamatas. Uh, as y'all heard from the you know, actual play, if anybody listened, not y'all, but the audience listening. I, I, I played a Zamata girl, so clearly I think they're neat. Uh, so yeah, that is super, super cool. Because it's exalted, we have to clarify. Zamata girl like a horse girl? Yeah. Or Simhata girl like a cat girl? Uh, Simhata girl like a horse girl, but also like a girl who turns into a Simhata. Gotcha. So a little bit of both, depending on what form she's in. <laughs> there, there are some hybrid bodies that could be cat, cat girl-ish, I guess, if your cat has saber teeth. But that said, Lauren, you were you were you were looking up an entry to tell us about your favorite thing. Uh, one one of the ones, well, one of the cutest illustrations is the little hedgehog Urchion. I love Urchion so, <laughs> it's so much. Cute. Um, but there's, uh, I think it's in the Strange Beasts uh, section. It's the Heart Flame. Oh so, yes, yeah. It's this weird little like. It starts out as this tiny little candle flame. And, you know, can kind of hang around in lanterns and whatever, but it starts playing on people's passions mm -hmm. and kind of makes them do more and more extreme things in the name of that. And the bigger it gets, uh, probably eventually you're going to explode. So sorry about that. But, you know, I think my other favorite one just for this year, like, oh, was uh, Scroll. I just love Scroll. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so cute. Scroll, Scroll was, I, I think I wrote Scroll, did I? Well, I, I love Scroll. 
Yeah. And I was just like, oh, who's a, who's a sad little creature who's just made up of a bunch of spells? It's Scroll. It's Scroll. Scroll makes me happy. So yeah. So also, um, coming out in the near future. My near future, I mean soon. TM. Because what I always say to people, I don't know when soon is, but it's soon. TM. We have, of course, Adversaries of the Righteous, which was our other monthly, um, as we talked about at top, that is getting illustrated right now, which I, I think, I, I don't quote me on this, but I think like 100 Devils, the plan is for every single entry to be illustrated, um, which is why there's so many sketches to look at. Yeah, I was going to say, I, th- I think we, we did art notes for everything. Yeah, because typically in one of our books, you might have like, I don't know, six to 10 art notes for a chapter. And they're half pagers, so you get to pick like a spell you're illustrating, right? Or like a location. And then for adversaries and for hundred doubles, it's like, well, each entry is a thing. So we want to have a picture of the thing, which makes it more like a monster manual type situation. Um, which is great, but also it means it's a lot more art, it's a lot more work for the artists, and it's also like just a, a bigger art buy, so the art process takes a bit longer. I mean, even to the point of it taking longer for us to go through all the sketches, right? Like, I know, Lauren, you and Megan had, had had feedback on quite a few, whereas usually if I send somebody a batch of art, I send them, like, four to eight sketches, and it's pretty easy to go through four sketches versus going through, like, 40. <laughs> yeah, this one this one was a word duck. <laughs> but there's some really cool ones there. Oh, I can't wait for yeah. people to see um, Bleeding Lily Crowned in Shackles. Yeah. Who is an abyssal. Oh, um, I, I couldn't tell. But also you forgot the definite article. So oh, uh, sorry. some people the would say that she's Bleeding not an Lily Crowned in Shackles. <laughs> Neil has just cringed oh, somewhere man, in the I've just, I, I'm just yeah, going to yeah, fire yeah. myself. <laughs> but yeah, she's like this sort of underworld princess um, who is... I yeah the art came in and I I think I I was just like hell yes no notes. That's always the best feeling is when you get a piece in and you're like hell yeah no notes like there were a few pieces of uh I think primarily Straw Maiden Janice for Exigence that Elliot and Mans were like yup that's Straw Maiden Janice she looks great because she does she sure so does that's simply all there is to say on the subject. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so adversaries is mostly exalted and humanoid type adversaries, Lauren. Yeah, there there are things, there are people that you will, you know, a lot of them, I think all of them have intimacies, which mm-hmm. most of the creatures in Hundred Devils don't. A few of them do, but adversaries are very much people who you will be going up against. They'll have their own agendas and political intrigues and and schemes that you can get involved in or fight against. If you try to thwart them or outright kill them, there's usually some storyteller information about what happens. Oh, that's cool. So, like, everyone has plot hooks of, like, oh, you killed this person, so now their entire village is after you, or now their lover is coming to find you, or their patron god is angry, or whatever. Yep. That's cool. I love that. I love stakes. Uh, Where it's like, yeah, yeah, you killed the big bad guy, and you put big bad guy in air quotes. (laughs) Because there's a bigger, badder guy coming for you. (laughs) Yeah, no, that is awesome. Um, And most of the writing for those monthlies was done very in-house. It wasn't like a lot of our books where we have like 15 or 20 writers on it, because a lot of them are writing one or two entries every couple months. Um, So the writing team on that is super tight, and of course, couldn't have gotten across the finish line without Megan Fitzgerald, who sadly could not be here for the roundtable, but we do have five people, and that tends to be the max anyway. So I will talk to Megan soon. (laughs) We have Lauren here as the coda who has been helping Megan out, uh, getting everything across the finish line, getting art notes done, um, helping with development, etc., etc. So Megan is amazing. Megan, Megan is 
is you know guided me through a lot of how to develop so megan fitzgerald is not a brand she's a way of life that's what i always say although we say megan fitzgerald that's a whole different in joke megan lives 15 minutes from me folks we're actual real life friends so it's fine we have jokes uh so i do want to move on and talk a little bit before we get toward the end of this about across the eight directions um i know folks have been waiting for that for a hot minute once again don't yell at me there was a pandemic it's been 85 years since we started developing this book yell at me instead it's my job no don't yell at anybody <laughs> don't yell at people it's not nice um nah. no. Uh, but we we do have Across the Eight Directions. It is an art direction right now, which is super exciting. And Is that one of the eight directions? Uh, art, art direction is one of the eight directions, so you have to delete one of the other ones from the book. It's the elemental pole of art. <laughs> I'm so angry right now. <laughs> <laughs> but let's, let's talk a little bit about Across the Eight Directions. I know that we're doing some uh, math action for it, which is exciting. Uh, just to get a little, little bit more detailed maps of of the eight directions. Um, what other things are we going to see in the book? Let's throw it to Eric since you were uh, kind of instrumental on this one. Gosh, I mean, I'm still so terrified at the thought of maps. It's hard for me to think of anything else. Just let me think of maps. You'll be fine. <laughs> sure, sure. We have we do have to thank Stephen Lee Shepard for all of yes. his uh, wonderful work on the map prototypes. But beyond that. Oh, gosh. It is a very big book. Very, 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 very big. It is nearly as big as a splat book, which is pretty big for something that is not. big for a source book, yeah. Yeah, I, I discovered while developing it that trying to work on so much like non-mechanical content all at once is a big lift. Yeah. Yeah, it's got 10 chapters, eight directions, one sort of like additional bit on the east because... Mm -hmm. The scavenger lands is sort of its own place and we even have an appendix which just sort of talks about general creation-y stuff like you know time keeping and travel and the guild and various bits and bobs that didn't really fit anywhere else cool but yeah we try to give as much information as we could probably too much it's going to be a bigger big book i'm going to keep harping on that i'm assuming that nobody's going to like i mean some people will but for the for the average player it's not going to be a book that you sit down and like read cover to cover every time you play you're going well, not to read every time sections. you play every two or three times you play perhaps oh, okay but, okay sounds about right but no uh yeah it's it's a source book it's it's a reference manual like most game books are I, if you want to read a cover to cover awesome that it, it's an experience but generally we assume that you'll say i want to run a game in the southwest and you will look at the southwest chapter and you will see that there are half a dozen places there that you could run a game and each with its own little constra constellation mm -hmm. of a paragraph each on surrounding places and we try to provide a sort of relatively even mix of familiar locations that have been in previous editions and in the tradition core along with completely new locations that haven't been described yet so that you have something new to look forward to and new places mm -hmm. to explore new ideas to adventure in yeah i think something that i really like about books like the realm and across eight directions and also apologies my, my my loudest cat has jumped up here so there might be loud cat sounds at some point wow. um she's she's very loud when she wants to be but that that said uh i think one thing that I, I love about those kinds of books is that they're equally useful for running an essence game or a third edition game because it's it's, it's setting information and setting information is always useful you know yes. we we try to maintain a absolute minimum of mechanics although they're oh, cat a few trinkets for 
third edition players who and storytellers who are interested in things like sorcery and yeah. weird soul hopping robots and stuff like that. You, you've got to expand on soul hopping robots. Um, I'm not really sure how much I can expand on the Sokol relics and their ancient history, which is not really well known because that's kind of how weird sword and sorcery elder races work. Huh. Um, but they live in a ruined city in the far, far, far southeast in the edge of the Dreaming Sea. And no one really knows too much about them, except that they have a mysterious soul game that they can use to transmigrate bodies. And sometimes other people might show up and try and get a little of that action for themselves. Huh. I feel like part of why I love Exalted is because it's got like these societies that are very based in like kind of actual cultures on on earth and ancient cultures and have these very like rigid rules and 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 and, and ways that they work and then you have that you know <laughs> and they exist in the same setting and i love that the third edition team has been able to bring such verisimilitude to both things because i feel like in any other setting and even sometimes in some of the other like edition bits that i've read there were definitely elements that felt out of place and that's that's that, that's the thing that I love about this edition is that like it is an edition that can host you know dragon blooded high school games and also fair folk and that makes me happy. Part of what people love about this game and really a lot of uh, Onyx Path games is the fact that you can twist them around to use them for a variety of purposes and a variety of tones and, and mm -hmm. focus on whichever end of whichever scale you want to. You can like you can have really gritty street level games you can have you know world hopping jet setting god you know god empress games and you can use the same rule set in the same setting for both right exactly and even if your group wants to you know keep their same characters and just go in a different direction you can do that they can be like i'm tired of this court intrigue let's let's go to the wild and it's like oh okay guess we're doing that now things just got weird but no, I am super excited for people to see Across the Eight Directions. I know it's been hanging out for a minute. It took a lot of very thoughtful development. Uh, there were a few sections that got a, a, a few different passes and some sensitivity and cultural consulting. Um, and all of that was, you know, meant, meant to present folks with the best book possible. I know that one thing that we've really uh, harped on a lot in third edition is trying to make sure that it's the most respectful edition as much as possible, including changing terms and, you know, listening to anybody that points something out. Uh, so please, whenever we do errata for any of our books, do not be, like, scared to say something about anything. Because we like to learn, too. And I yeah. think that so far it's been really successful. But, you know, we've, everyone's always got more learning they could do. Yeah, I really I really value that feedback. So mm. I would encourage you to send it my way. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I love the errata process. I love feedback. Um, it is definitely better if it's for a specific book to put it in errata because things get lost on discords, etc. But um, yeah, I know that as far as I've seen in my God, almost four year, no, over four year now. Wow, I've been charging myself for a hot minute. Tenure on this line is that the team is super receptive to that stuff. You know, we preempt as much of it as we can and then we try to do better at any time that we're told to do better. So that makes me happy. But that's that's most of what's in production right now for third edition, at least that we can talk about. Shh. Um, we do have some essence things going on. I did want to get too into essence on this podcast, partially because I just could not get Monica and Yellow Chaz here uh, at a good time. That happens sometimes. It's it's 
it's scheduling. Most of us have day jobs. Um, so I didn't want to go too into Essence, although Essence is still in editing. It's coming out soon. Um, the Essence Companion is being worked on. The team is super excited. We brought on some new people. Um, we do have the Essence novellas happening, uh, one of which Lauren Roy is writing. I'm I'm so excited. We we you know, had some discussion about some Essence stuff this afternoon, and alchemicals came mm-hmm. up, and one of my characters is going to be an alchemical, and I am all the more excited to start pulling some of the things that are probably going to appear in the companion. I'm like, yes, tell me more about this thing you're thinking of for alchemicals. Yeah, totally. Uh, where where are you in charm school this afternoon? Yes, I was in charm school. Yes, I just just so the uh, audience can hear because this makes me happy. Monica Specco is doing a mechanics class for the newer writers, um, and I will be attending one as well because I am interested to learn as much about the line as I can. Uh, and I think Jacob Burgess named it Charm School. So yeah. so now we have Charm School, and it is literally school about learning how to do charms, but it's also Charm School because we're very charming. Uh, no, I I am super excited with this was the first time that we announced who our novella authors were during a Kickstarter. And I like that we've brought the novellas and fiction in general in-house because I feel like the best person to write fiction about Exalted is somebody who loves and knows Exalted really well. So tapping you, James Huggins and Ray Cole to write those made me very happy. And then of course we hit all three stretch goals, which made me even happier. Because uh, it means I get all three of them. Because <laughs> uh, I like fiction. It's fun. And also, just as a little teaser for listeners, we have um, we have made sure that all 10 exalt types are represented, either as friend or foe, but definitely as players in the books. So that was something else I really wanted to do with uh, with that. Not, not 10 in each book, but 10 across the books. Because 10 in each book would be ridiculous and having seen the outlines and pitches that that ray and and james came up with they are going to be so cool like i'm just super excited to read them yeah i'm excited to see those i am always excited to see any of those and then of course like we've got other um essence things that we've talked about as stretch goals that people know about because they follow the kickstarter so they are they are coming along they are getting worked on they are happening we're doing the jump start we're doing the adventure trilogy um, there are a couple of other things that we are kind of in a holding pattern, but are working on soon that I won't get into too much. I feel like I'm in the Monday meeting right now, giving my like rundown to Rich, like I do every Monday. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, this this has been fun. So we're getting near time. So I'm going to go down the list here, and I am going to ask people to give me any plugs they want to give, but also... To tell me the thing you're most excited about, re-exalted right now. And we're going to put fans on the spot. Right now, uh, I mean, it's hard to pick favorites. I tend to focus on whatever I'm doing at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been thinking a lot about the Death Lords. Oh? That's all. Why the Death Lords? Just, just thinking about them? I just think they're neat. <laughs> Vance, Vance holding up a Death Lord in one hand. I just think they're neat. That makes me happy. Uh, also, I just absolutely Vance is very um, ahead of the curve on <laughs> exalted things. When I was talking to them about their contracts for sidereals, they were like, "Oh, I've already written eighty five k in charms," and I was like, "You did what now?" Because uh, apparently that's Vance's hobby. So yeah, it wasn't just charms. It was it was other things. 
Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Cool. <laughs> and you're still uh, a little locked down on Twitter and stuff. People can find you on the Discord, right? Yep. Awesome. So check out the Exalted Fan Cord. Um, I can put a link to it in the show notes so people know where the Fan Cord is. We do have a pretty decent community on the Onyx Path Discord. Um, but the cool thing about the Exalted Fan Cord is that it's for all editions and they have really specific channels for everything. Uh, so it just makes the conversation a little more streamlined. Although sometimes it goes in 18 directions at once and I get confused. Um, but that's just because everybody's talking over themselves. So, Eric, if people want to find you, follow you, talk to you about Exalted. Oh, no, the mysterious elder presence lingering in the void. I do not wish to be contacted. Do not notice me. I do not exist. Okay, Eric, do not perceive Eric, but do you have a favorite current thing in Exalted, Eric? Oh, gosh. Most exciting thing. Um, the... I don't know. It's so hard. Why do you ask me these questions? Because <laughs> I want people to be hype. Because we're all like a hype bunch, but then we just can't pick what, what we're hype about. I'm always excited to like just see what new is stuff is going to come down the pike and make people excited and surprised and shocked and interested. Yeah, I think it's most fun. Like you, you like obviously the fans can tell because we talked to Vance and Elliot and stuff, but you have stepped back from developing every single book. Uh, because honestly, that's a lot to ask of one person. Let's let's be real. That's a lot of work. Yes. Like you don't see yes, the same is. devs on most other books like that. Like if you look at Scion, like, yeah, the cores Neil worked on, but he didn't work on like Titana Maki or Dragon. And like, if you look at Trinity, like, you know, there a lot of them have different developers, even though like we've got Danielle on a lot of them and John Cena on all of them, et cetera. Um, there was a while there after Eric advanced to Cooper where they were the devs on all the books. I think there was always a, 100 devils and adversaries we weren't on those okay true 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 so we had we had megan on those and you two on everything else yes. for a hot yeah. minute uh yes. and that was one thing that i wanted to kind of pull back on just because that's that's how you get burned out in this industry yes. is i being like i have to make every book especially if we want to make books concurrently uh which which we do because otherwise we're going to put out one book every year or two and that's not fun people don't like that well i i i would like to put more books out I I wish I had a team of 300 people that could be churning out books all at once. I do not. Uh, but we do have a, a pretty decent-sized team that does churn books out. So so back to your question. I am excited to see what the Sidereal's manuscript is going to look like because I've been sort of hovering around the edges of development, but I haven't actually seen what anyone has written. And then mm -hmm. Vance and Elliot keep saying, like, oh, wow, this is so exciting. This is so amazing. I'm like, but but what? And, and and you will have a pass soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eric, do you want me to send you a link to the Google Drive folder? No, no er do Eric, not. Eric gets no. to look at it during Eric's development pass. Yes, that's, that's, that's entirely fair. We're, we, we're trying to make it so that Eric is not working off the clock for no reason. So I am excited to see what uh, Manson Elliott did with Paradox Spirits, because there's such a deep cut legacy idea, and I think they're neat. All right, so don't don't perceive Eric except for when he's occasionally on the Discord being there, but even then, don't perceive him. Just, like, absorb his words and move on with your life. That's that's the best advice I can. Um, Elliot, people find you, follow you if they want to, talk to you on Discord. What are you excited about? So I, like Vance, am usually really excited about the thing that is right in front of me, and right now that is sorcery, because I am never not ready to talk at length uh, to everyone's disgust about sorcery because it mm. is the thing that originally absorbed me into Exalted. So uh, like all the other splats, the Sidereals get some neat little sorcery stuff that I'm uh, tinkering with right now. I'm also playing around with 
uh, it's very interesting to see how we are evolving the characterization of some of the elder sidereals who mm-hmm. um, we're getting to round them out a little bit more and try and make them both more usable in play, but also just more engaging for characters to kind of interact with. So having a lot of fun with our old friend, uh, Chijop Kajak. <laughs> Ketchup Karjak? Ketchup Karjak and Mustard Suchi. Um, yep, yep, yep. Uh, but then... Oh gosh, what was I going to... Oh, I do have a spoiler that I can offer about something that I think is very exciting. Go, and that is, go for it. What is it? What is it? Heaven has trains now, y'all. Yeah! <laughs> Heaven train! This is, uh, I think last week, Elliot and I discussed the play-by-post game that uh, we met in. Yeah, you did. The, the idea behind the Heaven trains goes all the way back to that. It is, it's not the same thing, of course, but there is a straight line of thought from there to then. Oh, gosh. I'm blaming Ivory Eyes for all of this. Depending on uh, eventual Kickstarter funding, uh, I will write and record a parody of the Ozzy Osbourne song, Crazy Train, to be about the train in Yushan. Love it. Um, I'm be- here for it. Because, of course, I would, because that's who I am as a person. I once wrote a whole song about one specific magic card. So, you know, I'm weird. Uh, Which magic card? We have to know. <laughs> I wrote a parody of Olivia Newton-John's Xanadu about Emrakul. I will find the lyrics at some point. <laughs> Fabulous. That I is going to be hard to rhyme. I mean, Xanadu is already hard to rhyme, so it wasn't that bad to mess with. But yeah, no, it was fun. Is Emrakul too cool for school? No, 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 no. I, I honestly barely remember it, but it was mostly about like actual Emrakul and what Emrakul does. I'm a big dork who used to work in a comic shop and had way too much time on her hands is is really where it comes down to. That's um, not a plausible backstory for someone who works in game design. <laughs> I'm sorry, did you not see the no dorks allowed sign? How did y'all all get here? Rude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lauren, uh, we established in the last episode that you have very cool hats um, and that you are really good at hats in general. But past that... If you want to talk to you about Exalted, perhaps, where could they do so? So I I lurk on the fan discord. I, uh, you know, watch conversations, but I also, uh, I know I will get lost in discord if I, if I stay on there too long. So mm-hmm. sometimes I pop in there. Um, usually I am on Twitter mouthing off about things as um, at Falcon S. It's Falcon with E-S-S-E at the end. I feel I feel obligated being from the Boston area to point out that there is a line in the song Charlie in the on the MTA, which is about yeah. a person who gets lost beneath the streets of Boston oh, on I a know. train. I know that song. And one of the lines is his fate is still unlearned. And so I feel like that is, is still Yeah. Ride forever in the streets. Sorry, I yeah. <laughs> I, I, I I only know the Dropkick Murphy's version. Um, <laughs> it's a, that's a great version. But I but I do know the song. <laughs> that's a good song. I should listen to it. And what are you excited about right now? Um, one of the things I'm excited about is uh, the last chapter of Many Faced Strangers is a War for the Call scenario. Mm-hmm. And we provide a lot of, you know, the different shahanyas that you can uh, go to the call and um, help out and go on missions for and ways that you can perhaps help take the last city back. Um, I think it, it dovetails nicely with some of the information that's in um, Dragonblooded in the Realm and kind of lets you see that conflict from the lunar side of things. 
I love that. I'm 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 all about more scenarios in general. I I know they can be a bit of a beast to write for Exalted, just because of even how long like a a, a QC stat block can be. Um, but they're super cool and really fun. I'm glad we got to put them in this book. So that's going to be awesome. There's there's a really cool thing toward the end that Eric, Eric put in that I, I won't spoil here because I, I want people to discover it. But it was it was one of those things where, you know, we were, we were doing some of the development. And Eric puts this paragraph and I'm like, oh, my God, I, I need this in a game. So some someday we'll point back to this this path cast and I will be like, that was the thing. So everyone try to figure out what paragraph Eric put into you that scenario when it comes out. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure it out. Well, you have until it comes out, and you can figure it out then. I'll send it to you in chat. <laughs> Yay. Well, thank you all so much for being here. This has been really fun. Uh, we are at time, so I will say that you can find me uh, most places at Dixie Cyanide. Uh, I am also on the fan cord, although like Lauren, I tend to lurk. I have it muted unless I go check it specifically. Uh, so I like duck in there a couple times a day usually uh, just to see what's happening. Uh, but past that, Dick Cyanide on all social media. You can find us at theonyxpath.com, the Onyx Path on most social media. I am most excited right now about the Exigence Kickstarter, but that's because I am the only person on the Exalted team who has actually seen the Kickstarter page that we're working on because uh, we do previews internally. So I am super looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to people seeing it. I am looking forward to people backing it and getting that first chapter day of because people can do that for just $5. Uh, and I'm super excited to see what James's Kickstarter avatar turns into this round. So yeah, Exigence. Uh, and, uh, that Kickstarter, don't know when it's going to start exactly. It'll probably take us right up toward Onyx PathCon, which would also be really fun. So there's a lot of excitement building over the next couple of months. Uh, as as Monica would say, were she here, we are currently building power. We're going to build so much freaking power, and I'm very excited about it. So with all that said, thank you again. In many worlds, one path to ask.